0: the information provided in this program is of a general nature and is not intended to be personalized financial advice we encourage you to seek appropriate advice from a qualified professional to suit your individual circumstances billions of dollars are flowing into fixed income according to this big time australian bond trader how he's making the most of mispricings in the market
1: i think everyone was balls to the wall equity related risk certainly in australia where there's a preternatural gambling culture everyone is running for the hills when it comes to risk. And I mean equities, commercial property, um, VCPE and high-risk debt. And they're flocking to safety and security. And we're trying to actually find cheap bonds that are paying too much interest. And most of the investors are very passive. And so they're not competing away these inefficiencies.
0: Koolabar Capital Investments claims to be the biggest active bond trading firm down under, with about $10 billion in New Zealand dollars in funds under management. It says it's fueling a flight to fixed income as it's developed digital models to help find mispricings in the market, effectively making bond markets less boring for billionaires. Christopher Joy is the Chief Investment Officer based in Sydney. Hey Chris, good to see you.
1: Good to see you, Madison.
0: How much inflow are you seeing into the fixed income market at the moment and why do you think that is?
1: Uh, yeah, the flows are large. Um, in December last year, we were running about $5.9 in Aussie um, and today in Aussie dollar terms, we're running about $9.3 So So there have been very significant um, asset allocation shifts uh, out of equities, out of commercial property, out of private debt, Uh, risky junk bonds or high yield debt, uh, and out of venture capital and private equity. I think it's a function of a few things, Madison. I think firstly, people have brain damage from the volatility of the equity market and the hopium that seems to never get fulfilled. Uh, Maybe we can talk about that later because um, I think there's been a lot of artificial growth um, boosted by big savings buffers that are now disappearing before our eyes uh, in the. US Europe and Australia and New Zealand um and the second point is yield uh you know the rBNZ's at five and a half percent you can get cash paying six percent uh in our funds in New Zealand uh we're yielding between you know seven and a half percent and ten and a half percent depending on the product uh and then finally performance, Uh, You know, returns have been very, very strong. You know, in New Zealand dollars, uh, you know, we've delivered 17.3% in one strategy. And then in our lower risk strategy, we've done about 7.5% net of fees. So I think people are looking at the fact that we've shifted from the old normal where cash was not a viable asset class and you had to reach for risk. You had to search for yield um, to the new normal where you don't need crypto. You don't need commercial property. You don't need... Equity risk. You can actually get six to 7% at the bank and, um, you know, seven to 10% in high grade bonds.
0: Where are you seeing this inflow coming from? Is it high net worth individuals? Is it institutional money, sovereign wealth funds?
1: You know, what's remarkable, Madison, is it's everywhere. Um, We're getting inflows from pension funds, billionaires, mums and dads, uh, insurance companies. It really is the full panoply uh, of potential users. And what's also I think astonishing, Madison, is I'm definitely seeing a seismic shift um, within portfolios. So I think everyone was balls to the wall, equity-related risk. Certainly in Australia where there's a preternatural gambling culture, um, you know, my experience with our uh, New Zealand uh, cousins has been that New Zealanders are more sophisticated and definitely much more conservative investors. New Zealanders tend to be focused on more liquid asset classes. They haven't chased, you know, junk debt and private credit. New Zealanders tend to be more scarred from the experience of the 87 crash, the 91 recession and the GFC. And I think New Zealanders are particularly leery about non-bank lenders, you know, that can be a little bit dodgy, that are unregulated, et cetera. Um, But what is fascinating is, you know, I speak to investors all day, every day, and everyone is running for the hills when it comes to risk. And I mean, equities, commercial property, um, VCPE, uh, and high-risk debt, and they're flocking to safety and security. And the fascinating thing is they've all got the wrong portfolios, Madison, because we had this long period where there was no alternative, you know, Tina. Uh, And now there is. And so, certainly in Australia, um, you know, everyone was loaded to the gills with equities and illiquidity. The Future Fund, our biggest sovereign wealth fund, a $300 billion fund, was almost 100% illiquid, had no cash or high grade bond exposures to speak of. Most Aussie super funds are the same. Again, I think it's a bit different in New Zealand because there's a culture of direct fixed income participation, direct bond ownership. Um, I think New Zealanders are, frankly, a little bit smarter. Um, and more sophisticated and more risk-averse.
0: If that's the demand, the market, though, that you can play within in fixed income is only so big. So how much on average are you trading, or are your traders or your firm trading every day?
1: Well, uh, yeah, we're pretty active. So I actually just uh, ran the numbers. Um, in the year to date, we've traded just uh, shy of $80 billion. So we're trading $350 million a day of bonds on average. Um, You know, where we're very different uh, is that we are not just a buy and hold uh, fixed income investor, which is what the rest of the world mainly does. So they'll buy a bond, hold it to maturity, and then all you can earn if you hold it to maturity is the yield or the interest rate paid on the bond. What we do at is is quite distinct. I have 40 executives, including 12 traders and 13 analysts. They're all quants. We have 80 bond pricing models that we've built in-house. And we're trying to actually find cheap bonds that are paying too much interest. So to give you an example, Westpac um, issued bonds a couple of weeks ago uh, in US dollars and uh, in Aussie dollars, and we bid for about $600 million of the two bonds. And they were paying interest rates of 7 to 8%, very attractive. But we had fair value according to our quantitative models that was well below those interest rates. So when those interest rates in ineluctably or invariably normalized down to our fair value target, we actually pick up a capital gain. Uh, and those capital gains or that price appreciation on the bond are incredibly lucrative. And that, that's why, frankly, you know, we've been able to pump out 17 to 18% net of fees over the last 12 months. Part of that is yield. So a big chunk of that is yield, you know, roughly half, but the other half is actually capital appreciation from systematically day in day out, trading $300 you know, million to $400 million a day 50 to 100 times a day, using those 80 models to find mispricing. So, bonds paying too much uh, interest or too much return for their risk. And the interesting thing about the bond market, Madison, which most people don't understand, is it's a huge asset class. So, there's $27 trillion of investment grade bonds we can trade, but it's immensely opaque. So, you know, I'm trading roughly $80 billion a year, uh, and none of those prices are disclosed anywhere. Whereas, if we were trading those $80 billion on the New Zealand Stock Exchange, everyone in the world would see the prices at the same time. Um, so the bond market's big, it's, you know, the market we trade is very safe, very liquid, um, but it's very, very dark. And most of the investors are very passive. And so they're not competing away these inefficiencies. They're not looking for cheap and expensive bonds, um, which we are doing. We were, for example, shorting Credit Swiss bonds last year. Uh, we, we had a blanket ban on any exposure, long exposure to Credit Swiss in May 2021, because we thought there was a risk it would blow up. And lo and behold, it did blow up in March 23. Our peers, on the other hand, were buying Credit Suisse hybrids that ostensibly were paying attractive returns, 10% yields. But that that hybrid is now worth nothing because the hybrids were zeroed when Credit Suisse blew up.
0: If the bond market is so inefficient and dark, as you say, then why are there not more firms, or perhaps there are more firms, more competitors to you, that are trying to find mispricings like this in the market on a daily
1: it's a really good question. I, I feel silly sort of responding with the uh, the offering I'll, I'll provide, but we really have no competitors globally. I was with um, the biggest hedge fund researcher in the world in London a few months ago. Uh, Cambridge Associates said to us they'd never seen a manager like Kulubar before, and uh, we were forcing them to redefine the way they think about credit alpha. Um, and every insta investor I've ever spoken to has more or less said the same thing. I, I think it's hard work. It's very very easy to set up a bond fund with a couple of guys. Allocate money across a thousand volumes, Close your eyes, and if you want more return, just take some more risk. It's much much harder building, you know, 80 quantitative models, um, trading 50 to 100 times a day, three to 400 million dollars a day, um, and and running a more concentrated portfolio. So we'll typically have 100 to 200 bonds in our portfolio, and we'll actually turn that over as much as 20 times a year. So what we do is intellectually very taxing. Uh, fortunately, I'm surrounded by a lot of folks who are a hell of a lot smarter than me. I think we've got three or four PhDs, five university medalists, um, and uh, and that, that's a privilege. But um, but it is a, it is an unusual situation where almost all the market is passive and we're active. It's very different to equities. Equities are lit. They're transparent. It's all traded on an exchange. Bonds are not traded on an exchange. They're, they're traded in the so-called over-the-counter or unlisted market. So the way we trade bonds, and this is absolutely remarkable, is it's called by voice, um it's an analog market it's not a digital market it's literally like trading shares before exchanges existed in say the 1950s and when you wouldn't have price reporting um you know one of the interesting things about the New Zealand market is <clears throat> it's extremely illiquid uh you've got you know uh, episodic small issues but New Zealand investors tend to be particularly hold to maturity and those New Zealand investors bottom draw their bonds so we've started trading in the New Zealand market And we're actually trying to generate more liquidity for the New Zealand market by offering more uh, secondary trading. Um, So we're actually working hard to improve the liquidity of the New Zealand market because it's an attractive market. Uh, There are attractive issuers like the big four banks, like, you know, Auckland Airport uh, and others. Um, And I think if there were more trading opportunities for retail investors, um, that would allow them to switch in and out of bonds and, you know, free up cash to participate in more new issues and then we might see more in new issues.
0: So you're clearly seeing this flight to fixed income or at least this flight into your funds. And those investors are telling you that they're moving away from equities. The big question, though, is how long do you think this growth in fixed income will last? And will those people who've flown there perhaps get stuck?
1: Yeah, great question, Madison. It's really a function of, you know, as long as the RBNZ and Central Bank's way around the world have these cash rates at very high levels. I mean, think about the the calculus for an investor. If you buy, um, you know, uh, CBA shares or Westpac shares, the frank dividend yield is on CBA is about 6.5%. Uh, you can earn 7% to 8% on CBA bonds. So why would you buy the shares when the bonds are paying better returns? Conversely, if you look at, say, commercial property yields, here I'll refer to Aussie data, you know, the A-grade commercial property market's only paying a yield of 4 to 5%. I mean, that's less than what you earn on cash. So uh, for as long as cash rates are high, and that means for as long as we struggle with this uh, persistent, protracted inflation crisis, and let's be clear, we're heading into 2024 and we still have an inflation crisis in New Zealand. We have the same crisis in Australia, despite the fact that interest rates are high. Interest rates are likely to remain high for many years. I mean, the RBNZ is not saying it will get back to target until 2025, and that looks like um, a pretty brave uh, forecast at this juncture because inflation's been very sticky in New Zealand. Having said that, we are seeing the New Zealand unemployment rate creep up from 3.2% to 3.9%. The RBNZ saying that's going to go to five and a quarter, so we should have a recession in New Zealand. But the RBA is saying it won't get inflation under control until 2026. So I think this is a secular shift away from equities, um, property, uh, and you know those search for yield beneficiaries the cryptos the VCs the peas anything that was a, a surrogate for cash when cash pays you nothing is going to be a casualty in the new normal characterized by structurally high rates. so I think it'll be persistent this process um and I think you know New Zealanders are at the vanguard of it insofar as they actually already have some of the higher fixed income weights in their portfolio globally and I think New Zealand investors are, are definitely somewhat savvier than their uh other Antipodean counterparts although you know, I'd like to say this is Chaffin House rules and off the record. Um, of course, I realize speaking sure. to the New Zealand Herald. <laughs> we can kind of keep this to the uh to the uh, New Zealand digital audience. That would be wonderful. Maybe we could put up an Aussie paywall because I think my Aussie investors would freak out.
0: Amazing. Hey, thank you so much for your time, Chris. Amazing to chat as always. Thank you, Madison. Now I'll let you in on another little secret. Coolabar Capital Investments has actually just decided to fund the Crusaders. As a blue supporter, I'm a little bit annoyed, but that's fine, I'll forgive Chris for that one. I'm sure we'll see more of him when he's over in New Zealand too. Now I wanna know if you are part of this flight to fixed income. Have you swapped equities for bonds? Let me know. Now go put your money to work.